0: Thanks so much, Tom. So, um, yeah, either fasten your seatbelts or time to sort of, you know, need the toilet. Uh, make, it, make it, give an excuse to uh, to find something better to spend your next twenty, twenty five minutes doing. But it's great to be with, here with you. We're going to be um, reading through Psalm twenty three in a moment. And um, before we do, I just wanted to say. Um, thank you so much for your welcome. It is brilliant to be here. I am hugely grateful and um and to us humbled humbled by um by the this what you're doing that the graft is a massive thing, isn't it? It's a massive sacrifice um sending you know, a lot of your best people I have to say I, I feel like I owe you an apology. we're kind of taking a lot of the lot of the creaming off the uh, the cream off the top of the church, so uh you know, sorry sorry not sorry it's probably one of those sorry not sorry to be honest um, things but um but no super grateful and um and yeah really looking forward to getting to know you guys better and um, and partnering kind of as God leads us going forward so yeah so thanks for having me today and should we bring up Psalm 23 is that all right amazing thank you so I'll just read this off the screen so I'm making sure I'm getting the right version this is Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever john wesley uh, the famous founder of the methodist movement and um, Spent a huge amount of time traveling up and down the country, setting up groups, he called them bands and classes, and he would uh, go and visit and strengthen and support them and encourage them. And he must have always had so many questions to ask them, so many questions on his mind. How's this going? How's that going? How's this person? How's the leadership? But there was always one question that John Wesley would always prioritize asking when he would go and visit these bands and classes, and the question was this. How is it with your soul? There's been so many questions on his mind. There's always that one question he prioritized. How is it with your soul? It's a great question, isn't it? It's a difficult question. This week is the start of Lent, as we've heard. And and Lent is many things, isn't it? And we all do it differently, I'm sure. Um, But if it's anything, Lent is a time for a soul checkup, is it not? A time to sit Barriers down, mask off, eye to eye with Jesus, and have him ask us the question, how is it with your soul? So I wonder, how is it? How is it with your soul as we begin Lent this week? Or to put it another way, is your soul free? Is your soul free? And in case this question sounds quite kind of me-focused, quite introspective, I guess the reason this matters is, well, we're called, are we not, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so if our soul is not free, well, then how can we love God with all of it? You're looking at me like, this guy's a bit intense. Christ Church, Stannington. Barrel of laughs. Good luck. Good luck of that lot. You might want to turn, turn, just just turn around. Just lay a just lay a hand. Lay a hand say it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. If you're, if you're near a grafter, just, just just start massaging their shoulder. Obviously, don't unless you know them. Safeguarding gets involved. Um, so this this week we're starting this series about um, about uh, going through Lent and thinking about freedom and freedom that comes through surrender. I guess that's what we're thinking about. How freedom comes through surrender. If you like, we're asking the question: uh, What does freedom taste like? Well, freedom tastes like surrender. Freedom tastes like surrender to the shepherd. And we'll be using Psalm 23 um, today, especially thinking about the first few verses. Surrender, um, surrendering our busyness, the freedom that comes through surrendering our busyness to the shepherd. And I want to suggest that to live free, free from the tyranny of busyness, is to live shepherded. Now, for me, this is a really live issue. Um, you know, we, we've just moved city, as you've heard, we've moved um, community, we've moved church, I've started a new job, the kids have started a new school, and so it'd be really easy for me to kind of become really overwhelmed with busyness. I've got this graft coming in a month's time, It's loads up my head around. That kind of threat of, of frantic busyness really looms, I guess, over myself, and so I know that I have to be careful, but my guess is I'm not alone. I just wonder whether that's something we can all relate to in different ways in this room, those times of frantic busyness. We said, didn't we, as we came out of COVID, if anything like me, kind of said, "I've learned a lot about business. COVID's helped me. It's taught me a lot. I'm, gonna, I'm only going to go out one evening a week. I'm going uh, to walk everywhere. I'm not going to use my car anywhere. I'm going to walk everywhere. I'm going to be. I'm, my friends are just going to be my neighbors. We Zoom quizzes every Friday night's going to be brilliant, really chilled. But then the, uh, the busyness just creeps in, doesn't it? Busyness just creeps and creeps and creeps. And maybe you find yourself in that place where you're asking, how did I get so busy? Like, what happened? How did I get so busy? And it's hard, isn't it? Because the culture around us kind of says, yeah, live free. Absolutely, the value of freedom, absolutely, let's, let's live free. But the path to freedom looks like accumulating more stuff. The path to freedom looks like pleasure. The path to freedom looks like accumulating experiences and doing this and that. And before we know it, we're overwhelmed. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? Well, I think Psalm 23 and a Matthew 11 passage we're going to come to a bit later as well, have a message that I think you and me and our culture vitally needs. So let's just dive in a bit to Psalm 23. It's this this beautiful psalm, Charles Spurgeon referred to it as the Pearl of Psalms, and it uses this image of shepherding. Now, this was no new image for the people of Israel. They often thought about how God was their shepherd. He had led them out of Egypt like a shepherd into the Promised Land, like a shepherd. But David makes it intensely personal. You see, for David, not only is the Lord our shepherd, for David, the Lord is my shepherd. It's this word that, um, again, Spurgeon calls the sweetest word of the whole psalm, my, because in it is conveyed that incredible intimacy that God the good shepherd longs to have with his people, with each one of his followers, each one of us and he paints this most beautiful picture doesn't he? I lack nothing when I'm shepherded by this particular shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leaves me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. David is a man who lives shepherded and for him to be shepherded is no frantic hurried life. No, to be shepherded is to, be, to live wonderfully free, to be gently guided. But here's the thing, I think I wonder if a lot of us in the room already know that in theory. Like we know, don't we, in theory, that to live well means to live with Jesus and and to live shepherded by him. And yet in practice, it's so hard, isn't it? We get overly frantic and busy. But like, I guess the question is how? How did we get there? Well, before we answer that, let me just share a suggestion, a thought, maybe a controversial thought. I'm not sure busyness is always bad. Let me explain what I mean. John Mark Comer wrote this book, The Ruthless Elim- Elimination, if I can say it, of hurry. And maybe um, a few of us in the room have read that. I don't know. It's a great book. Um, but it's easy to hear that we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives and think, yes, I just need to do less stuff. I just need, I need more zen in my life. I need, more, I, need, I need more green pastures. Yes, Lord, bring on the green pastures you know, all this stuff about leading us on into the dark valley, like, why would you do that? Like, if you're a sheep, sheep plus green pastures, like, equals good shepherding, doesn't it? Like, why would you lead us out of the green pastures, Jesus? And we're like, yes, bring on more green pastures. And now, to be clear, maybe some of us in the room, maybe we need that. We're in that season where God's leading us into the green pastures. We need to rest. We need some repose. We need some restoration in those places. And so, absolutely, that can be the right thing for certain times that Jesus leads us to those places. But in the middle of the book, John Mark Comer reminds us that sometimes Jesus was busy. Like Jesus went around healing people, and then he was asked to cast a demon out of someone, and then he was asked to teach, and then he would go and feed some 5,000, then he'd go up the mountain and pray, and then he'd go chasing his disciples across the water. Jesus sometimes was busy. But it seems to me Jesus was never hurried. Jesus was never frantic. No, when Jesus was busy, it was a healthy busy. There was a health to the way that he lived. How? Because it seems to me he lived shepherded. Jesus only did what he saw his father in heaven doing. Jesus lived shepherded. So what about you? Do you live shepherded? Is your busyness, is your schedule shepherded? Because the problem arises, it seems to me, when our busyness is not a shepherded busyness, but actually has become an idol, Henry Newman describes this kind of problem busyness as compulsive. The kind of compulsive busyness that leads us to, to kind of lead our lives frantically. And we're no longer living from that place of a steady shepherded hand. We're actually just being driven by our internal compulsions. The problem comes when our busyness arises, it seems to me, from a sickness of the soul. Because, of course, we can stop doing stuff, can't we? We can address, like, sometimes maybe there's superficial fixes we can make, but I guess I wonder if we're making kind of superficial fixes, like deciding to not do this, not do that, are we only addressing the superficial symptoms of what is actually a deeper sickness of the soul? Because I'm not sure Jesus is in the business of superficial fixes. I'm pretty sure Jesus, the good shepherd, is in the business of restoring our souls. Which brings us to the Matthew passage. These wonderful verses from Matthew 11. I don't know if we can bring them up onto the screen. Thanks a lot. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's got to be one of the most beautiful passages from the Bible, hasn't it? And, and there's three words, I guess, I want to particularly highlight. Come, come come to me, take, take my yoke and learn, learn from me, come, take, learn. Notice Jesus is inviting us to rest, to a deep soul rest and yet it seems it's like an active rest, isn't it? Come, take, learn, not just kind of feet up, Zoom quiz, come, take, learn, come. Jesus doesn't say go and take some holiday, go and sleep in, go and do less stuff. No, he says come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll show you what true rest looks like for you, for your soul. If you're struggling with busyness, or in fact, if we notice a kind of a, an unhealthy unbusyness to our lives, just hanging out in the green pastures, and Jesus is like all the way over there, uh, Jesus invites us to come. Have a conversation about why that is, because He's the one who gives us true rest rest from that sickness of the soul now I am um, I'm doing a, a leadership program called arrow and, um, and I was recently kind of confronted with this kind of how is it with your soul kind of question they like to ask you kind of the deep questions the uncomfortable questions and, uh, and one of the uncomfortable questions they asked um, was what is it that drives you and why What is it that drives you and why? What are those unhealthy tendencies which, if left unchecked, can lead you away from the shepherding of the good shepherd and lead you to be kind of driven by unhealthy sicknesses of the soul? And for me, what emerged was the stuff that, if I'm in an unhealthy place, will drive me. is mostly stuff to do with people's perception of me. It's that stuff that, it's that kind of marching to the beat of other people's drums or my perception of other people's drums. Caring too much about that. And so now when I realize I'm getting frantically busy, I know I need to stop and come to Jesus for one of those how is it with your soul conversations. Jesus, am I allowing myself to be shepherded? Or actually, am I being driven? I wonder what might be your driver. Those may be burdens on your soul that Jesus longs to lift from you so he can replace them with his light burden. Let me throw a few possibilities. What might be your driver? Your turn to feel the heat. Okay, I've bared a bit of my soul. How about insecurity? Do you throw yourself into your work because that's where you find your identity? At work, you're somebody. Outside of work, you kind of worry that you're not somebody without that title. Maybe it's even a church title. Without that, uh, who am I? Come to me, says Jesus, and I will give you rest. Maybe it's fear. Do you stay busy because actually there's a fear that, and it could be a range of things, maybe a fear that if you don't, God won't provide, or if you don't, something won't get done, it all kind of rests on you. Come to me, all you who are driven by fear, says Jesus, and I will give you rest. Or is it pain? Maybe there are hurts from the past Tom was talking earlier a little bit about hurts and the way they can kind of get in the way of God's work in our lives. Maybe there are some hurts that actually keeping busy means you don't have to deal with them. It's kind of more comfortable to stay busy because if you stop, the hurts become louder and louder. And before you know it, you're going to have to sit down and have that conversation with Jesus. But come to me, says Jesus, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened down by pain, because I want to heal you. I want to give you true rest. Or maybe it's a kind of a greed, a a lust, if you're honest, kind of there's this unsatiable desire inside you for more and more stuff, more and more experiences, more power maybe. But again, come to me, says Jesus. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me. There is no lack with me. With me, you lack nothing. Insecurity, fear, pain, greed. Maybe there's more. You look, you're looking at me like that's a cheery list isn't it that's a cheery list of uh, great who invited this guy trice stannington barrel of laughs over there guys but the reason i think jesus wants this conversation it's not to rub our noses in it it's not to bring us down but it's actually it's so it's because he wants us to be free i've come at you may have life life in all its fullness life of jesus is freedom come, says Jesus, surrender your busyness, but not only your busyness, surrender to me your soul and let's see where that busyness is coming from. I wonder if that's the the conversation this Lent or part of the conversation. Come and take. Come, take, learn. I'm just going to do the last two words quickly, briefly, take and learn. So take, take my yoke, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, it might seem like a strange thing. Um, he says, come to me and I'm going to give you rest, but then take up my yoke, because some of us all know a yoke is an image of work. It's a, it's a piece of equipment for work. You put it across your shoulders, helps you to carry heavy burdens. And so what's going on here? Jesus is saying, come and give you rest, but come and I'm going to give you work. Well, I wonder if, again, the reason he's saying this is because the opposite of rest is not work. The opposite of rest in some ways may not even be busyness. The opposite of rest I guess, is restlessness, that hurry, that franticness, that sickness of the soul. And so, yeah, as we come to Jesus, the invitation is to lay down our burdens to his deep rest of the soul, but it is then to work with Jesus, to partner with him from that place of rest in a healthy way. Come and rest, and from that rest, learn to walk with me, to work with me. The problem is not work the problem is that compulsiveness here's the thing when we surrender to jesus our busyness the stuff that we do our roles our titles we don't actually what we're going to we don't know what we're going to get back do we it may be that he says you know what there's way too much going on there and you need to take a step back from this and that and the other but it may be that he says you know what you're doing kind of exactly the right stuff you're not too busy but you're just not being led by me in it. You're just being, you're being driven in this frantic kind of way. Come and take up the invitation, he says, not to give everything up, but to be led by me. Come, take, and learn, very lastly. Learn from me. I love this description of Jesus, and it's a, what I love about it is the way he describes himself, so we know we can trust him. He says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. It's one of the most breathtaking descriptions of Jesus, I think, isn't it? The God who made the universe, who made you, who made me, who is highly exalted, who is worthy of all praise, who is above all power and dominion and authority, is gentle and humble in heart. Isn't that astounding? The one who wants to lead your life and wants all of you, but doesn't want to lord it over you. No, he wants to lead you gently and humbly and carefully. And, in a, and filled with love and compassion for you. This is the kind of God that we have. Maybe you kind of sat there thinking, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not even Christian. You're thinking, do you know what, this idea of, not, of being kind of shepherded, led by Jesus and forced into this mold, that sounds really restrictive. But do you know what seems to me as I've encountered um, the other stuff on offer, the world, the way the world would lead us, it seems to me the way the world would drive us is much more harsh. Than the gentle, humble leadership of Jesus. Maybe you look at him and you think, and, and kind of Christians think, ah, oh, it's not, I don't know, it's not for me. It's not, it doesn't look to me, it doesn't look free. But I guess I want to defy you to look at the life of Jesus. I love what Michael Green says about the life of Jesus. He says, in this age which values freedom above more, than, more almost more than anything else, Jesus confronts us as the, mo- as the most liberated man who ever lived. And having got to know Jesus to the extent I have, I guess, over the years, be that I've got way more to learn, but it does seem to me that that really is true. He's the most liberated man who ever lived, and yet he lived only doing what he saw his Father in heaven doing. Come, take, and learn. I have to say, um, for me, Starting that conversation that I said, I kind of began with arrow that that question about my driver has been really hugely liberating i'm now um massively on a journey still with it, but i I guess I know that if I'm going to those places where i'm feeling frantic i've got i've got a an anchor point to go back to Jesus and say, "Yeah Jesus, what's going on there? Is that that thing that I struggle with and can we can, can you help me work this through? I have this really simple habit of each morning I kind of ask Jesus. God, I want to do today to an audience of one. I want to live today only for you, to please you alone. And then at the end of the day, not always when I, when I remember, I finish the day by saying, Lord, how did that go? Lord, how did it go? It's really simple. So to come back full circle, how is it with your soul? Will, will you this Lent come? Come to Jesus for a conversation about how it is with your soul, about what maybe are those drivers that you can be tempted towards? Will you take, as you come and lay your burdens down at Jesus' feet, will you discover what it is he will have you take up, the wonderful, light, easy burden of Jesus? And will you learn? Will you learn more about yourself and more about how he's made you and who he is and and how he wants to lead you and how he wants to love you? Because there is no one better to learn from. So we're all searching for freedom, aren't we? So why not come to this man? Come and taste and see, come and learn. Come, take, learn.